Uh, it's not to cre create a transdermal health and wellness company, it's to create a human performance company around delivering solutions to the limiting factors of the human body. Because I ultimately believe in human performance. It's not about a product or a solution. It's about a systematic approach to human performance and how are we thinking about these various things. But I also know, and kind of our thought was, you can't just be a human performance company. You gotta earn the right to play there, right? And you do that with a product doing something revolutionary. And that's what PR Lotion did, right? We're lucky to, we call half the NFL and half the NHL our customers. And we, you know, we won three government innovation contracts for seven plus digit amounts of money. Like we are pushing the limits of what is possible. Welcome to the Driving Force Podcast, everyone. I'm your host, Chase Rosa, a former private equity analyst, now exploring human performance through podcasting, coaching, jujitsu, and endurance athletics. This podcast will feature conversations with uniquely driven and authentic individuals across sports, business, and wellness who continue to achieve great things in their respective fields. By presenting their stories, uncensored and uncut, I hope to inspire you to take a step back, look within, and evaluate your path and journey. Today's guest is Jeff Byers. Jeff is the co-founder and CEO of Amp Human, a Park City, Utah-based company dedicated to creating a new and trusted category of products to help humans push their limits. Their flagship product, PR Lotion, gives the body more bicarbonate, a natural electrolyte, to neutralize acid in muscles, which allows athletes to push harder, feel better, and go longer. And let me tell you, the stuff works. I put it on before my hard training days, and every time during the workout, I'm stunned by how less tired my muscles feel towards the end. Pure Lotion is relied on daily by the world's best athletes, including Super Bowl teams, Stanley Cup Finals teams, Tour de France winners, and a broad base of athletes and adventurers. Prior to his business career, Jeff spent the majority of the first half of his life as an offensive lineman at the highest collegiate and professional levels. After being selected as a top high school football recruit in the country, Jeff went on to play at USC under coach Pete Carroll. After getting his MBA at USC, he then went on to play in the NFL for about four seasons, spending most of his time with the Carolina Panthers. In this interview, we get into Jeff's penchant for grit and suffering, his up-and-down football career, amp human, and thoughts on the human performance space. And so, without further ado, my interview with Jeff Byers. Let's start this off at the beginning. Where did you grow up? Oh, I grew up all over the place, honestly. Uh, Midwest boy, um, kind of through and through. Um, my dad was in corporate America, and we moved to, moved around a bunch until ultimately like fifth grade. And um, fifth grade landed in Fort Collins, Colorado, stayed there um, through high school. My folks are still there, actually. So that was kind of like uh, my dad's forever spot was Colorado, of like his dream. Um, and once he got a job there, we never left. Um, so okay. I spent, yeah, I spent most of my, like between Chicago and Dubuque, Iowa and, and my younger years and then, um, moved to Colorado. Okay. And what, what did your parents do for work? My dad, uh, my dad was an executive in the food industry. Okay. What, uh, um, I guess what kind of food? <laughs> uh, he, he worked at, uh, Hormel and, uh, company called ConAgra, another like multi, big multi-billion dollar businesses, um, like every day, right? Like essentially if it was an animal, he had to deal, he had to do with it. 
Okay, I got gotcha. you. Okay. So, and uh, you know, I know you're like really active now, and you know, played football in the NFL. Did you play a lot of different sports growing up? Yeah, I was uh, I was like the active kid. Um, I mean, the whole, my my kind of family's that whole way, but it was just get outside, go do something. I've fairly high energy and uh as a fairly high energy kid or a really high energy kid it was like anything to do anything to make this guy tired um <laughs> I'll, i will say i was not a great young athlete by any stretch of the imagination like i was a big kid like always big um like like growing into my body type of thing so it wasn't till high school where like everything kind of caught up i wasn't like you know grew four inches can barely run type of thing or or anything but i was i've i was always kind of the big kid in terms of just like the tallest kid in class like yeah. i've got a, a a big frame but yeah i mean and i played everything from like roller hockey basketball you know we we skied a lot as as a family um you know i ran cross country in eighth grade which is like i, I played offensive line in the nfl like who runs cross country <laughs> Um, like all these yeah. random things. So, I mean, basically I did every sport and I really, you know, in high school, I just, I played football, basketball and, and, uh, quote, ran track and field, which means I, I threw the shot put in the discus and ran around <laughs> the track. I ran around the track for warmups. Um, right. so, um, that's, yeah. So I, I, I yeah. Yeah. I just kind of yeah. love all of them. Yeah. 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 And in reading the transcripts from a couple other interviews that you've done, you describe yourself as a glutton for punishment and suffering. Where do you think that comes from? That's a really good question. Um, I don't know where it comes from. Uh, nobody's asked me that question, so that's a good question. Um, I just know I'm a better person when I push myself to the limit. And it's always like, I don't know, it's something it, It's something that uh, like my dad and my mom and just people around me have always told me it's like right you you can control your effort and ultimately you only know how far you can go and push yourself and i've always kind of said that's like that's true like today i can only can control a couple of things and one of them is my effort so i might as well go hard mm -hmm. and i realized that that was one of the things that separated me um right in high school and beyond was that like i would just outwork and out suffer people like my resiliency would always win and resiliency and, and obviously I had a ton of talent but match with resiliency goes a long 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 way um yeah and so it was just like that that like that drive have never has never got away from me but also like my mind um my mind goes really fast and and also I think you know for me suffering has always kind of been my happy place where is the only time i i like it's like my free thought my like you know like it's almost meditative for me or therapeutic mm -hmm. um to just go get in the pain cave and just like all like breath sweat suffer pain like those are the stimulus and it just allows my mind to really free and relax um and i've kind of grown addicted to it so i mean i don't yeah yeah yeah. And do you find that, I don't know, maybe on like, on, I don't know if you take rest days, but like on your rest days or days where you can't get, I don't know, like the workout in or like that intense workout in, they feel worse. Yeah. I mean, I take rest days uh, more often than I, I'd like to, I'm, you know, like uh, 
90% broken human being, I feel like at times. Um, and, and, you know, uh, J-O-B gets in the way of, of working out a lot for me. Uh, and I would say like, when I'm going hard, my rest days don't bother me. But if I'm like on a four day stretch where it's like, I've done nothing, I'm not a, like, I'm ornery, cranky, just, I, you know, you know, my wife is just like, go do something like just <laughs> go, go away. Um, and so for, you know, I, I, I claim I'm a better human being when I'm, when like I've been able to suffer. Um, so anyways. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. And so when did you like make that commitment to football and like, talk to me about like that, like, was it your dream to play in the NFL when you were a kid? Like when did that all come yeah. about? Yeah, I would say football wasn't my love um, originally. I loved basketball. Like Michael Jordan kind of grown up in that area. And that's my generation of like watching Michael Jordan play. And like, I wanted to be like Mike. Like that, I, I love basketball. Couple of issues. Can't jump. Real bad at shooting. Um, <laughs> uh, and like, I'm just a, I, naturally kind of a, a, a big human being. And like, for basketball, like I'm six four, I'm pretty tall, but like six four, you're like a shooting guard. And yeah. Yeah, I am not a shooting guard. Like in high school, like, hey, if you're not, if you can't touch the paint with one hand, you can't take a shot. Like, you know, I'm like the I shot like 50% from the free throw line in high school. And I got and I, I averaged like 16 points or something, like, which is crazy that I, I couldn't shoot, but like I was just in the paint. So I loved, loved basketball. Um, and I don't know why, maybe because it wasn't as natural to me and I had to work really, really hard. Um, but I loved, I, I loved the, the, the running, the hustle, the effort, the defensive side of it. And like, you kind of play everything, but I love football. There's no doubt about that. And what kept me going is I really love the game of football, but I love football for a bit of a different reason. Football, okay. it, football, to me was a mind game um, much more than basketball. Basketball was very body oriented and like, right. Uh, like just a very different system. Like, like a football game or football practice like you're never like exhausted, like from, from like cardiovascular effort or like, like, you know, it's like four seconds and walk back to the huddle type of thing. Um, but football, I love the mental aspect of it. And and the suffer like football is a suffering like it is just a suffer fest like and it's not about like man you know like i'm at 180 you know beats per minute like how old can how long can i earn it's like i can barely walk how do i get up and do this again how do i put my hand on the ground and do another play and right it's that mental challenge of like you can always go further. Your body can take more. You can push through pain. You can, right? Like that is what I found a love about it. But also, it's as an offensive lineman, it's such a strategic game, and you can you can do so much with with your mind and just studying and being a student of the game. That's really really unique um, about especially that position. But it is right you understand tendencies where people are lining up where your help is what's the design of the play where like you can start playing these big games in it but ultimately right the ball gets snapped and you got to make a decision and go right and then you got to react and that to me is what i really really loved is like it wasn't just mental for mental right like 
there was a point in time when that ball got snapped and you had to go and make a decision and you were wrong sometimes and you had to figure out how to survive um, and not get somebody killed or <laughs> you did you did it right and you had to go figure out how to do that again so um, yeah. anyways i love i love the game of football for very different reasons than i love the game of basketball and i'm by the way i'm still terrible at basketball and i play less than ever so um i don't play basketball because running running is not my forte anymore right okay and uh May just for the people listening, like provide like a quick overview of the offensive lineman role. Yeah, basically our job is to not let anybody touch the quarterback, in uh, the or the running back. Um, yeah, uh, I, I would say it's a really the offensive lineman role. It's like a team within a team. You have five. You have five human beings that all have to basically make a concert of music together every play while you're running into human beings, right? And without like without an offensive line nothing happens um and everything is like i think the like there's no like ad lib like oh i'm just like i'm gonna spin move do this juke like a running back or check down and like you have to do your job there's no like let's get creative or let's do this like a defense a defense is like go get the ball right go tackle the the runner for us like We've got, we know where the runner's supposed to be going. We have to go there, open up holes. Um, and it's very much about scheme, right? What is the play? What is the design of the play? Where should things be going? Where is the quarterback at in the pocket? So you know, because ultimately, like, you're going backwards. Somebody that's a better athlete than you is coming forward, trying to get to somebody behind you. And they have vision. You have no idea where the guy is behind you. So you have to know like, okay, where's my, where's my teammate going to be to help me? Where can I get quote beat? Right. So that my teammate can help me. Where can I never get beat? Cause if I get beat there, it's a really bad outcome. Um, and so we're like, it's a team within a team, some really crazy dynamics, but also a really intellectual position where like you, you, you have to know, what the scheme is what the people across the ball the defense is doing every single play like you have to understand like all right this is how they lined up this is the tendencies <clears throat> and based upon how they lined up this is how we're going to block for it and this is how my four other guys are going to block for it um so it's yeah it's a, yeah 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 that's it's a lot more cerebral of a position than i than i realized yeah very very much so yeah and so a few buddies of mine from college who play on the football team uh, mentioned to me that once that the guys who play on the offensive line usually have low or little egos. Like, what did you agree with that? And if so, like, why is that the case? Yeah, I mean, there, there are definitely egos at play, but we aren't the big egos on the team. It's because you never, like, you never get mentioned. Like, you do a great job, nobody has any idea at the end of the day. Like, um, and I'd also say that on the offensive line, like, you know, that, that's like the last stop for athletes. Like there's a lot of great athletes as offensive linemen, but if they are really, really great athletes, they play tight end or defensive line. And so like, you're kind of like this, you're hardworking, like, you know, you're, you're like the blue collar, put your boots on every day type of person. Like right. you're not like, if you're a great athlete, you'd be getting all the fame and, and like you'd be a running back or a tight end or whatever. Um, and you, just based upon the position, like you get no love. The only time people know you is when you do something terrible, um, you know, and they're like, oh man, the offensive line great, block great, but did you see that run? Um, and so you kind of like, you don't have a choice. Like 
an ego as an offensive lineman, like you just don't exist. And like, I, I you just have a really hard time long-term being successful um, because your ego is never going to get stroked. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. So now talk to me about the path that led you to go into USC and playing football under Pete Carroll. Oh man. Uh, yeah. Uh, I was really, really lucky. I, I mean, I'm right. From, a, from an athlete perspective, I just has a, have a ton of talent um, and had a ton of talent. Um, I was one of the highly, most highly recruited high school athletes out of high school and essentially got to pick wherever I wanted to go to college. And I, I had great choices. Like I had whatever mm -hmm. choice I wanted. And I fell in love with Pete Carroll and the University of Southern California. Like USC just from a, like I, I school was always really important to me, but USC has a great academic institution and, and really has like this Trojan network, they call it. And the Trojan family is a real thing. And SC was really good, really good. Uh, you know, 2004 was my first year. And like, we were like, we won the national championship. And, and so I was going into a great program and, and that was really important to me too. But Pete is just such a charismatic human being. And as, as getting recruited, like that's who he was, didn't, didn't know, like I obviously know a lot more about Pete and who who he is as a leader and and like and looking back I'm like I can understand the structure that he's taken and try to adapt to, and take a lot of the things that he has in his program into how I lead now and how I think about motivating people and and running the business so it was really you know grew up in Colorado I knew I wanted to change never really lived in a big city um, in kind of you know my my developmental years that I, I really remember wanted a big city California's super cool and sexy kind of when you grew up in the Midwest had never spent much time there LA is cool dirt seemed cool um, all those things um, and it was a great school great program and so you know it kind of went out on on a lot of fronts um, now I realize like I'm not a big city guy not at all like would have never known that if I didn't go spend you know right a better part of a decade there um <laughs> but uh but yeah se se is so instrumental in my life i mean i met my wife there and like i owe so much of who i am um to to that university and to that football team yeah yeah that's awesome and did you know that you wanted to study business while you were there yeah a hundred percent like I, I like my dad was in business my dad's like my like my greatest role model and, and who I, you know, my superhero, like who I want to be. Um, I, he just, uh, so yeah, I knew I wanted to do business. I went there, I went there to join the business school, to be in the business school, to get my undergrad in business. A hundred percent. Like th there was no questions asked. I mean, I, I remember when I was getting recruited, they were like, Hey, you sure you want to go to the business school? You know, it's top tier school. I'm like, yes, I do. Like, if you're not going to let me go to the business school, I'm not going to come here. Um, <laughs> and that was, you know, to me, like a really important thing. And yeah. So yeah, I knew, right. I knew, I knew I was going into business. I'm like, that's what I wanted to do. Yeah. And was your mind firmly set on playing in the NFL while you were there? And like, did that change at all during your time there? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, honestly, Chase, like, uh, like I was like, top five recruited high school athlete like you know first round draft pick I started as a true freshman a bunch of games on a national championship team like like no doubt like when I was a 19 year old kid I was like in the NFL you know 
this is real, like I'm gonna be a high draft pick um, type of thing. Well, you know, life has a funny way of knocking you down sometimes for sure. Um, and I got hurt really bad at the end of my freshman year. Um, had a almost a career ending hip injury where I had two two hip surgeries to kind of to get me over the edge and wow. and and back to playing and and you know the second hip surgery the doc was like hey I don't think you're gonna play again like if you do you're not gonna be the same athlete um, that you were just be ready like it's a big you had a a big injury and a big big surgery um, to get done so uh, that's when I I really had the first realization of like oh my gosh life after football like it's coming sooner than I think um and it led and opened up a huge huge opportunity and door for me and honestly is why why I've been able to do what I've done post NFL career like I, I basically got challenged to like say hey you went to USC to go to school too right well, go figure it out like you know if you never play again how much money can you get out of the school like take advantage of the system um because they're going to pay they're going to pay for five years or so of school figure it out so I ended up graduating undergrad in three years got you know just hit hit school hard took it really seriously um and I got accepted in the Marshall School of Business the, for my master's in business um after my third year at SC and and ended up getting my my master's while I was still playing on the team I, I obviously ended up coming back and playing my last three years at SC and um ended up having a you know a great career very different the doc was right I was a different athlete like still very gifted but I had to rely a lot more on my effort and my you know, right my cognitive um, side of the game and really got into it because I did lose some of my natural ability but I mean at the other day I still had a lot um it just was different so yeah it, it's funny yeah. how you know for me adver everybody talks about adversity and how do you overcome it but I, I sometimes life punches in the face and you just got to get back up and figure out what the right door to go down in. Uh, and, and things work out and sometimes they don't, sometimes you get punched another five times. Like it, it happens. Um, but it's all about the journey, right? It's never like the only way you lose is to give up. And you know, that's, that's the one thing that I always kept thinking about when I just felt like I got punched in the face. I was like, well, can't keep me down. Let's keep, let's see where it goes. Um, yeah yeah for sure and how did you how did the hip injury come about was that like in, from an impact like during while you're playing or is... yeah I mean it was so it was play action pass just kind of got in a weird position and just so I ended up jamming my femoral head into my into my basically my hip socket and okay. I put a, a a dent in my femoral head and tore a bunch of cartilage up plus had some degenerative stuff on my on the femoral neck had to have microfracture reshave my femoral neck and and head a little bit and then you know obviously tons and tons of cartilage damage in there mm -hmm. okay yeah wow <laughs> and, I, and i forgot to mention after that so i missed my whole second year um at sc my third year i ended up having two back surgeries and wow. i so i had l4 l5 and i missed my whole third year too of playing um which is like that was like right got punched in the face once seemingly was coming back right ended up blowing my back out really really bad in, like in training camp my third year i'd had surgery on l4 l5 twice to kind of get get back together so like like i have gotten punched in the face a few times in a row that it's hard to get back up but you got to do it 
Yeah, that's crazy. It's a lot of uh, devastating injuries. Yeah. Yeah. Did um, so you went to go and get your MBA. Um, did having an MBA give you like a little more peace of mind, like while you were playing in the NFL, like just having that, I guess, degree. Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, for me, like, like my injuries made me realize there was more to life than football, right? And that that no that that no game should define you and that football would never define me that i define i get to define me football is a part of my life right and will always be but it will never be who i am and that was a big realization and it's something i talk to a lot of athletes about is like you can't let your sport define you only you get to do that and sports come and go like they die and you have to be prepared to give it up and so for me I think what that my MBA did was like, there was always something out there. It, it, it did make it easier for me to make a decision to be done, right? Like, cause I knew, right? I had a standing job offer. I knew what I wanted to, I, I knew that I wanted to have a life after football and I wanted to build something special. Um, I thought I knew what I wanted to do. Turns out very rarely do you do, um, you know, and I, yeah. I, tried a few things and, and realized, nope, nope, nope. And ultimately led me to amp human. But yeah, it's one of those, it was a crazy journey, but having my MBA definitely, it made me think about football differently, but also made me really find out why I loved it. Um, and why I kept doing it because at the end of the day, like you got something else out there, like it's a really hard game and it pays really, really good, but there's a lot of things that pay you money. Um, and I was, fortunate enough to be able to be an opportunity to make money doing other things. Um, and so it really made me feel like, why do I love the game and what parts of it? But I also, but I made a commitment to myself and people around me that I was never going to let the game take more from me than I took from it. And I feel like I get, I, I got pretty hairy on, on that at, at the end. I'm like, is the game actually taking more from me than I took from it? Um, and that, that anyways, I mean, I, I was fortunate to have a, that opportunity and really lucky to have something like ready to go after football. Yeah. And so even with all your injuries, you do, as you say, make it to the NFL. Um, what teams did you play for and how long did you end up playing in the NFL? I played a total of four years. Um, I, I only really played for one team and it was the Carolina Panthers. I spent uh, three seasons with them. Um, and then I played my rookie year in training camp was with the Seahawks and Pete Carroll. Um, I got cut last cuts, ended up playing in Denver that year was on practice squad for most of the year, but I ended up getting on, on the, the roster at towards the end, um, as well, but didn't, didn't play any. Um, and then next year I ended up in Carolina and spent three years in Carolina, my second, uh, or my my third year in Carolina, I played a lot, um, started a bunch of games. Um, there was just a couple of injuries that happened on the line and I was kind of the next man up uh, type of situation and then worked myself kind of into the rotation the next year. And, and ultimately my fourth, my fourth season, I think it was week eight or week nine, I, I had a really bad foot injury and was getting right, got, had to get carted off the field. Um, and at that point it was, you know, a big inward reflection of like, what am I going to do? Like, you know, like I can totally come back from my foot injury. Like people have done it. Like it's not that uncommon, but it was, where do I want to go with my life? And am I ready to take the next step? And so that, that really, for me, helped me make a decision to be like, Oh, I have an opportunity here. 
to transition smoothly um, and and see where it goes. So. And what are your biggest takeaways and just general lessons learned from playing in the NFL? That's a that's a really good question. I think for me, um, it's a, it's a, obviously a tremendous blessing. Like, I mean, like like not every kid, but I, I'll take that back. Every kid dreams of being right a professional athlete, a professional musician, an astronaut, or something like that. Like we all did. Like we all yeah. ha- had those aspirations. And at the end of the day, very few people ever get to do that. And I feel tremendously lucky that I got to do that. And, and right, yes, I worked really, really hard, but I also had good genes, right? And I was in the right places at the right time and had great coaches and things like that. So there, there definitely is, is some privilege that I have. And I had just, you know, like, not everybody's, you know, 6'4", um, and, you know, puts on muscle really easy and, and things like that. So um, I think my, I, my biggest takeaway, one of them is like, it's just a true honor to be there. And you got to always remember that it's a gift. And, and number two, number two, really, you know, the NFL gave me great perspective on, on other cultures and other people and, and things like that, because I grew up in Colorado, like, you know, kind of like a farm kid, but, you know, that not like not many not much diversity right right in the nfl right um like blonde hair blue eyes like i'm in the majority in this country in the nfl i'm not and i got exposed to a lot of incredible people and cultures and understand what life is like for other people which is really was really was meaningful to me on how i think about my life and just like everybody's different and come from different situations and circumstances etc um and the third piece is just hey grit is real and grit is right i've seen the most talented athletes in the world get passed up by people that just know how to work hard right grit their teeth and go right and 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 grit is not just about working hard right it's about making right decisions prioritizing things like that grit is grit is so encompassing of like that resiliency how do you get back up when you get knocked down 10 times in a row like how do you make really hard decisions that don't always feel good in the short term, but you know have long-term implications. And so I really saw like what grit can do and how grit gets you and separates even the most talented people apart, right? Like I've played with yeah. people who have the talent to be pro bowlers, to be hall of famers that never amounted to anything like that washed out of the NFL or washed out of college because they, they, they work gritty. And I've saw, average athletes do incredible incredible things because they were extremely gritty and that has translated in in the real in the real world like grit like grit is a real thing that is not inherited it is learned and it is a choice and i've seen it um but it's hard yeah yeah i love that and knowing that you're you know the ceo of this human performance company amp human were there any like specific takeaways for you as it relates to human performance from your days playing in the NFL? Yeah, I think the biggest thing in the NFL, like I, I was offensive lineman, like I invested a lot in my body. Um, but what I saw was that the little things did matter, right? And human performance is not one thing. It is a collection of things. And it is the choices you make. And there are, like, and every day we're learning something new. And so for me, it was always about what are the little things that I can do that are, that are 
like low cost, not dollar necessarily, but like not a lot of time that provide high value because ultimately, right? You're always trying to better. Like the path of humankind is how do we get better? How do we live longer? How do we, how do we go to the moon? How, like and that's human performance, right? Like how are we continuing to make human beings better? Right. And, and to me, I saw how little things like sleep and diet and right. Just light cardiovascular like activity could really affect performance long-term, but also right. Stretching, rolling recovery. Like there are so many things that are out there. And so what I took from the NFL is like the little things in life matter, like doing the little things really, really matter. And there's so many things that we can do on an everyday basis that can just make us better, better humans. Right. And I really, like, like I always just grabbing for what was next. How do I push my limits a little further? And that's, I mean, because of that, I saw opportunity, right? Like later, a few years after I retired to say, there is a big opportunity here in human performance to build something special. Um, and it took a lot of things kind of falling together to make me see it, to make me have a product that allowed me to build a company, et cetera. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. And so what does the, the transition period out of the NFL look like for you? Like, do you receive a lot of help from the NFL in terms of transitioning out? Like, explain to me what that kind of process was like. That's a good question. Um, I think I took a really different path. I, I actually, don't, I, I did take a very different path. Like, I had my MBA. I worked a full-time job while I was in the NFL in the off-seasons. Like, I had a standing job offer. Like, the second I said I, wasn't, I was done playing, like, I, had, I signed an employment contract. Like, hmm. um, there is great support out there. I just didn't take advantage of it or didn't need it at that. However, however to say like, I just chose a different path. Um, right. So my transition out of football was, is very, very unique. Um, I, I thought I knew what I wanted to do, but I ultimately realized I wanted to be an entrepreneur, build a business, right? Like the same, like the, the entrepreneurial journey is part of like, like, like the, the the risk, the stress, the everyday matters, the move fast, right? Um, having the weight of the world on your shoulders, like being accountable all the time, like really related to me as a football player. And ultimately, I didn't feel fulfilled in business or in a job until I really had that, right? And that it's the closest thing to the game and the mental cognitive stress, right, that I found. And it's a part of the game that I loved right? Because it is, every day is a challenge, right? You're learning new things, but you got to make a decision react. Like at the end of the day, you got to go like time is a killer of everything in, in an early stage business. You have to make a decision. The biggest risk is not to make a choice, right? Like same thing in the NFL, like as an offensive lineman, you had to choose right or left. You had to choose something, right? And you knew you're yeah. going to be, be wrong sometimes. And it's about how to react, respond, and when you do get knocked down, guess what? You get another chance, hopefully, right? And you've got to continue to do that. And, and it's, it's this big game of chess and strategy you're always playing. But also as a founder, you got a whole bunch of weight on your shoulders, right? Like I've got to be able to raise money to make sure I pay my people. Like I've got to be able to get big deals done so that we grow the business so I can raise money, right? Like, and yeah. ultimately, right, it comes down to the founders to be able to do that, lead, inspire, grow, bring external resources in. And for me, 
like in the NFL, I felt like every day my job was on the line. I feel like every day my job's on the line right now. It's like been a really seamless transition. I worked in finance where it was like, this is a cushy job, right? Like phone it in today. There was none of this team building stress, right? Every day matters. Every decision matters. Not, not that every decision matters if you make it right or wrong. It's just that you made a decision, right? And you go one way or the other and you pivot change. Um, so anyways, um, I'm ranting. Yeah, no, it's great. It's a great rant. <laughs> uh, yes. So maybe just like quickly, um, maybe go over your time in finance and like why you decided to leave. Yeah. Yeah. So right when I retired, I got into finance pretty quick, spent, spent a handful of, I mean, not, not quite years there, but spent a year and a half, two years in finance. Um, it just, to me, I was always at the wrong side of the table, especially when we were looking at early stage businesses and like, I wanted to build something. I wanted to build a team, right? Go fast, run through walls, make decisions. And finances, right, like for me, finance was really slow. It was like, how are we playing within the margins, right? And for me, I didn't want to have any margins, right? How do we, how do we blow those margins up? Mm-hmm. Um, and it was also just like very methodical, right? And, and I'm, not a, I'm, not, I'm not methodical from, from that standpoint. And so for me, I knew I wanted to be a part of early stage business. Like that, like the people I started involving myself with, like, man, I would like, when I listened to in, like investor or, or entrepreneurs pitch the multifamily office I was working for, I got really excited about them, what they're doing and like understood the risks the decisions they have to make. And people around me were like, you need to be on the other side of the table. Like you have a unique skill set to go do that. Right. And that's, so to me, I went out and took a big risk, right? I, I joined an early stage biotech. Um, I, everybody listening, I've got like, I took oceanography in college. Like I got know nothing about science, right? Like I'm not <laughs> a science person. Um, but, but I joined because it was really unique and there was potential human performance application here in it. Um, and it was super early. I was employee five essentially or four, part That's of the awesome. founding, founding team of that mm-hmm. company. And we had this crazy idea. What if we could use the technology that was being developed for the medical space and then pharmaceutical for human optimization, human performance? Um, and that's what led to me creating Amp Human with my partner, who was employee two at that business, who came in around the same time I was. She was, she was also a, like a non-scientist. Um, and we were kind of part of this business team. And we saw, we saw an opportunity to use this technology elsewhere. And so that kind of started this passion project within this, within the, in this biotech, they had the medical stuff going. And then we had this kind of consumer human performance thing going. It got enough traction. It was like, what do we do with it? And I saw this big opportunity to say, the human performance space needs innovation. And there's a lot of people doing great things out there, but it needs like a human performance brand focused on solving the limits. And so we took this technology, which is basically a way to transport things across the skin in a very safe, efficacious way. And we developed a product called PR Lotion there, which helps buffer acid in the body so you can train harder, recover faster, essentially, right? Push your limits a little bit further. Um, and we were seeing traction in the NFL and in the military and these other places. And we saw a real opportunity. But it was inside this biotech. It was a passion project. Right? It needed to spread its own wings. And so we ended up doing a deal with that company. We, we started Amp Human. But we started Amp Human with this vision of a human performance company. 
Um, and obviously it's evolved and we did that in June of 2018 officially is when we started AMP Human. Um, and it's evolved a bit and right, we've grown and, and our strategy is definitely right much broader than it originally was. But right, it's not to cre create a transdermal health and wellness company, it's to create a human performance company around delivering solutions to the limiting factors of the human body. Because I ultimately believe in human performance. It's not about a product or a solution. It's about a, a systematic approach to human performance and how are we thinking about these various things. But I also know, and kind of our thought was, you can't just be a human performance company. You gotta earn the right to play there, right? And you do that with a product doing something revolutionary. And that's what PR Lotion did, right? We're lucky to, like we call half the NFL and half the NHL our customers. And we, you know, we won three government innovation contracts for, you know, seven plus digit, you know, seven digit amounts of money. Like we are pushing the limits of what is possible. Um, and that's allowed us to be at the forefront of human performance, to build AMP Human into this brand doing really cool stuff. Um, to now launch other products underneath it and to launch other innovation, acquire other innovation, whatever that may be, but also to just serve humans who are trying to optimize their body um, kind of holistically. And so our vision for right five years from now is, is to not be a product company, not be a platform, which is what we're building right now, which is multiple products solving multiple things, but to be, become a system, right? Of how are, you, how are you giving athlete touch points? And that means not selling athletes products all the time, but right based upon X, Y, and Z, why is the recommended option creating this system approach to humans to live their life better, right? Um, and right. how do you integrate with other products and other companies? Anyway, so I, I went into AMP Human pretty deep there. Yeah, no, no, it's, it's great. And yeah. I definitely want to get into to PR Lotion um, and dive deeper into, into your flagship product a little later. But so how, how did that opportunity come about to join the, the biotech, considering you didn't really have much of a science background? They were, uh, yeah, it's a great, like, they had kind of a science team. The founder has a science background, and they had a, a, a doc that was working with them. Um, I just picked my network and said, hey, I want to do something early stage. Don't know what. Like, willing to take meetings. Like, I have an unusual background. I have a great network. And, like, I'm willing to get paid nothing to get business experience. Like, literally, like, I'm willing to go long take equity, you name it, like no salary, don't care. Like that was what the NFL gave me, like opportunity to better myself. Um, uh, I talked to a ton of companies and this was the only one that I felt like they're really like, they're doing something unique. And it also was one of the ones that was like, probably the most risky, like, I, I know nothing about it. Like I ping my network and they're like, Hey, you know, either this is the flaming bag of poop in the corner or it's something big. Like, but you're going to know that pretty soon. And so it was, it was a big risk, but they also took a big risk on me. Like, like looking back, I like, I didn't have a traditional background. They could have hired somebody with way more experience in, in business development, sales, et cetera. But they took a risk on me because I was willing to take a risk on them and, and forego pay and, and that. But I, you know, in, for my finance days, I was, I can raise capital and new capital. And so I helped raise some capital. And I obviously had a lot of connections in sport to kind of see if we could launch something in the human performance space. Right. Um, so that was kind of my journey. It, it was like, okay, the people pushing the limits the most, it was the most outside my wheelhouse where I, I, I know a lot about chemistry now. I know a, 
a lot about human physiology, how the body works. And I took like, and that was because every day when I started, like people were throwing around things. I had no idea what they meant. It's like, well, I'm just going to live on PubMed. I'm going to, you know, read, read as much as I can. It was an incredible challenge for me to kind of get ingrained in that space. Yeah. So how did you come up with the name Amp Human? Oh man, terrible story, honestly. Um, okay. <laughs> Uh, not a terrible story, just not a good story. Um, it started as, so the biotech's original name was called Ampersand. Um, it's no longer called Ampersand. They changed names because it's a bad name too. Um, <laughs> uh, and so it started as Amp Human Performance. Okay. As like a, as like a, but it wasn't, it, it was kind of a tribute to Ampersand, but it was like also like Amplify, right? Like, you know, like Amp is a is like a positive word looking back on it like i have no brand experience like mar marketers like now my chief commercial officer and my marketing team's like man you could have picked a million other names <laughs> um, so so we went with amp hp for amp human performance we realized nobody knew what human performance hp stood for right except for like people who worked in human performance like the hp director at teams like no consumer knew that mm -hmm. then we went to amp amp human performance which is a mouthful and like how long how much can you make somebody type in a url and amp human performance like what does that mean and we we slowly gravitated on, on amp human as as the genesis of the of the name like you know now we're going to play with like you know amplify amplify humans and things like that it's just it's a holdover um it, it totally does the job now we have a lot of brand equity built up too um so like that's part of it. Um, but amp human is, is the company's name and like we are a human performance company. Okay. Got it. So who are your core customers and the main audience they are targeting, they are targeting? That's a great question. Um, our core customers are athletes, athletes, and we use athletes a lot like Nike does like anybody with the body who are seeking to level up, right. That are, that are on a daily basis looking to make decisions to make them better human beings, not just athletes. Um, so that is our core customer as we think about it. Now we have various different segments of that, but that's who we are going after as a business. Now we aren't fully there yet. We're launching a handful of products over the next few months that help us get to that way. But right now our core product PR lotion who's built AMP human is really focused around athletes who train with a purpose. Um, and those are people who are pushing their threshold on a, on a weekly, daily basis. Um, PR Lotion is very much like, it's not for a recreational athlete, just point blankets. You've gotta be pushing your body to a certain level to need sodium bicarbonate, which is an electrolyte that buffers lactic acid. Like you need to be going hard. And so, our core consumer is a pretty avid elite athlete, and that elite's the wrong word, avid athlete, right? Marathon runner, Ironman, like right. hardcore CrossFitter, et cetera. That's our core customer today, our core consumer. But they built us as a human performance brand. And now it's how do you use that and how do you use PR lotion that is so unique to now branch off to other products that touch the masses more. Mm -hmm. Right, right. And so now let's let's get into the flagship product PR lotion like like what is it and how does it differ from the other sports lotions out there yeah so PR lotion super unique it's the only thing that's out there that 
that we know of, right, that gives your body more sodium bicarbonate. Um, sodium bicarbonate, um, if you're a super geek um, and listening, it's baking soda. But bicarbonate is, a, is an electrolyte. And bicarbonate's role is it bonds with hydrogen ions in the body, and hydrogen ions are acid, when you produce it, and it neutralizes that acid. Um, really, really important. Bicarbonate is naturally produced in our pancreas. And that's right, we have a limited supply. You can't take bicarbonate orally very effectively. If we all go back to uh, elementary school science, right? The volcano experiment. You put baking soda and vinegar and it makes a volcano. Your stomach is crazy acidic. Vinegar, baking soda, is sodium bicarbonate. Not, you make not a volcano good. <laughs> not good. So there's been no real effective way to supplement bicarbonate in your body. Um, now, elite, elite, elite athletes like rowers, uh, middle distance runners, track cyclists have been using sodium bicarbonate for decades and decades. Well, the problem is you got to take a lot of it and create a gut bomb. And normally when you create a gut bomb, that's negative to performance. So you've got to be able to do your event in a small window to be able to get performance implications for it. So the whole idea is we've unlocked a known electrolyte in the elite world for the masses. So you're right, you're going to, you know, you're doing a high intensity effort day and you're really trying to make gains, right? Bicarbonate is just as important. It's a limiting factor right now, your ability to buffer acid. So you go hard, your body uses bicarbonate and other buffers to pull hydrogen ions off the muscle. Right, so when you do an interval, you get really acidic, you go above threshold, ultimately you gotta stop, right? Because you've hit your threshold and you've had too much acid fatigue build up in your muscles, right? Your body pulls that out slowly, you can do another interval, right? And, but it's like that natural progression. Or if you go hard for really long, right? You're slowly building up acid and you can't pull off. And so this is all it's allowing you to do is go a little deeper because you're able to pull more acid off, but in those intervals, be able to do more intervals. So um, just the short and, short and sweet of PR lotion. It's easy, literally, like put it on before you work out. Um, lotion is a, is a loose, loose word. It's a, a thicker kind of cream, think of a sunscreen almost. And like a lower body day, you'd go low back, glutes, quads, hams, and calves. And right, you apply liberally. Um, and you know, it's, you know, it's not Jergens. It like doesn't just go away automatically there's a little residue that's left on the skin um, and such so um, but we've got we've got good data to, to support us we've had a couple clinical trials we're still learning um, right the government has the, the DoD has funded some additional research but also has funded the business to continue to explore opportunities we're really dedicated to science we know we don't have all the answers we know we have a lot more answers to learn about PR lotion uh, but right. we're doing something that's never been done before. Um, and it takes a long time to accumulate the data. And it's also, I mean, just point blank, it's expensive um, to do clinical work. And so we're slowly doing clinical data and trying to get more and more data out there to understand how PR lotion better, better works so that we can give our athletes a better recommendation on how to use it. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. And I'm a, I'm an avid user and fan of the product. I'll be using it this weekend for the uh, Spartan Virtual World Championships uh, Saturday and Sunday. So, Amazing. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's great stuff. 
And just to clarify, the uh, for the athlete who's listening and wants to use it, you put it on before the workout, right? Before you work out, yeah, that is that is where the bread and butter is, right? That is where you're the most acidic as an athlete. Like putting it on after has some recovery benefits. We need to study that a lot more. But before is where you, right? When you work out, you're producing acid. You need to buffer that acid during the workout to get the training maximization that you can get. Yeah. And so, like, what are some of the results or, or data that you've gotten from athletes and who've used the product? Yeah, I mean, from an athlete perspective, it's I'm able to push plateaus further, right? Like, or push plat push through plateaus faster. Um, and also, you know, like we have an athlete that calls it uh, uh, their poor for, form cream. So it's like you use it so you don't have poor form ever. Um, and it, and it really what it does is for most athletes, it, inc it, it increases the consistency of workout, right? So right, it doesn't make you like nothing, that, that's not true. There are some things that are not legal that make you Superman, right? Um, and, but this is something that, how do I consistently work, work out at a high level more often? Because that's how you make gains, right? You've got to, right? It's all about how do you work out more consistently over time um, to, to be able to make training gains. It's that accumulation of work that really is significant. And so what our elite and pro athletes is I'm able to work more consistently over long periods of time and push through plateaus from more of the avid athlete is I feel better and I can push myself harder. And, and you know, from the clinical research, what we've seen, it's right. It's more intervals to, to failure compared to placebo. It's decreased uh, delayed onset mu muscle soreness the next day. And that's like, right. You can't get rid of delayed onset muscle soreness. Um, but there's some that's mechanical damage, right? You work out really hard, you tear your muscles. Like you can't, you don't ever want to limit that and, and bicarbonate doesn't do that, but you can eliminate some of the chemical damage that's being done. That's not always helpful, that inflammation. So right. like you're we're able to like from a science perspective do some of that. Um anyway, so that's that's just kind of the the short and long of it. Yeah. Okay. And you mentioned um previously that you've got some products in the pipeline that you're really excited about. How do you think about innovation and what are some of the exciting things like on the horizon they'd be willing to share? Yeah, I, th I think what's interesting is my team is not a team of, of like builders. Uh, build builders is the wrong word. Um, we're not like a technical team in terms of like, we're not going to make a device or a technology. We have an incredible commercial team and an incredible human performance advisory board, et cetera. Like we're like, we're going to grow our business by right in licensing products, by acquiring technologies and by continuing to find what's on the cutting edge. How do we bring them into a commercial team and put them under the AMP human brand to build them, right? How do they all fit in um, to that? So <clears throat> recently we, we acquired um, uh, a technology, a patented technology out of a, a university and from a doc um, XUS that had found a way to get, give the body more vitamin D through the skin, through a drop, like literally a pea-sized amount of lotion, of gel, a gel-based lotion. Um, and we always knew that vitamin D uh, was on our radar because the military always talked about vitamin D deficiency and how big of a deal it was. And, and when you think about vitamin D as a whole, 42% of Americans are vitamin D deficient, like clinically deficient. That doesn't mean you're insufficient, right? 
there's another 40% or so that are insufficient. So you're talking about 80 plus percent, four fifths of the United States population doesn't have enough vitamin D in their body. Right? And that's not because there's not existing solutions out there. Like go to GNC, vitamin shop, CVS, Walmart, right? There are, there's a whole aisle, like, like essentially of vitamin D pills and sprays and drops, right? The problem is there's no innovation in that space. We know Americans hate taking pills. They're really inconvenient, but vitamin D is not something we can get from our diet very e easily. Very, very hard to get from the diet. We naturally get it from the sun. There's also this thing called skin cancer. So we don't get a lot of skin exposure, which is good. But how do you supplement vitamin D consistently in a convenient way, but also an innovative solution? Um, and so that's where D plus lotion is so revolutionary because Vitamin D affects over 300 bodily functions, right? It has, it deals with immune health, right? Like it's in the news all the time. Yeah, vitamin I was going to say, yeah. Yeah, it's massive, right? It deals with muscle skeletal injuries, cognitive, mental health. Like you go down the list, like vitamin D is such a critical component and it has this huge cascading effect um, within the body as well. Um, and there's one of those things as we talk to doctors, it's like, like, it's something that you should always supplement with. And it's something I never knew about. Right? I got tested. I'm clinically deficient. I ride my bike. I go outside all the time. Like, I'm a healthy guy. I'm generally like, I wouldn't have guessed I was clinically deficient, but I'm clinically deficient. Like, and that was crazy to me to find that out. But when you start reading the stats, and so we saw this huge opportunity for vitamin D to bring innovation to it, and we ended up finding a technology that fit that really nicely. And it just so happened it was another topical which is good and bad, I think for us, like, cause we don't want to be known as the topical transdermal business. We don't, that is not our goal long-term, right? Our goal right. is to be a human performance company. And so it just so happens our second product is another topical. Our third, fourth, fifth, sixth will not. Like mm -hmm. we will not, we will not be. And they also probably won't be as innovative. So we're launching D plus lotion. We actually pre-orders go live in about two weeks or less, hopefully. Okay. Um, with a with a full launch um, in January, like a full full launch with PR, et cetera, in January is the plan. Um, but it's really exciting. We've got incredible interest um, kind of across the board. And I think the big thing it does to us is we think about human performance in three pillars, um, and that kind of how we're building our business. We think about it in perform, uh, adapt, and evolve. And perform is all around the moment of sweat. What are you doing that moment of sweat? To, to be able to sweat harder, sweat more, be better. And so that's like, you know, hydration during the workout, that's PR lotion, right? That uh, like, like that stretching soft tissue work in the moment of sweat. Then we have this adapt. And this is like the 24 hour routine. This is things like, right? Normatec and hyper ice and, and recovery shakes and things like that and, and sleep. And then you have evolve and evolve is this category around cognitive, around immune health, around, you know, injury prevention, um, and all those things that are really important. Um, but it, this is more of like, what do you do over really long periods of time that make you a better human? Not today, not at the moment of sweat, but long term, right? Vitamin D doesn't matter if you just take it today, you got to take it for a really long time. Gut health, right? Cognitive training, those things take a really long time. So we think about it in those three, bu three buckets. Our PR lotion sits pretty squarely in perform. D plus lotion is 100% involved, right? It's around health, right? right. Long-term health, immune health, et cetera. And so it unlocks another pillar for us to talk about, 
um, talk about that. And that's a big deal. It also takes us out of kind of this niche of sport and takes us into, right, uh, people who are like, right, athletes who are seeking to level up, um, right? And vitamin D is one of those things. Um, so we're really, really excited about how it unlocks a market for us, but it also is another really big innovation that has a 500-person clinical trial behind it. Like, it is real, and, it, and it's proven to be as effective as oral supplementation, but it's a drop of, of a gel-based lotion once a day when it's convenient for you, right, on your forearms, wherever. So we're really, really excited about it um, type of thing. Yeah, that's interesting and really exciting. So as a startup, like what are some of the things you've done in order to adjust to this whole pandemic situation we're all in and, and also and also the disruption it's caused to the fitness industry and, you know, the shift to like more at-home fitness, like rise of digital and, and all of that? Yeah, um, COVID's been hard. I mean, right? I mean, it's hard to forecast a business in this time. Like the news cycles are crazy, crazy um, kind of across the board. And I would say our PR lotion is a, is a very performance oriented product, not a tr not not like a fitness related product. Like it is around right athletes who are training with a purpose. And those typical people, like Ironman athletes, marathon runners, like their events got canceled. And so, and one of the big ways we engaged with them was in person at events to talk to them about it. So, our business, um, right, we still grew this year. But we, we grew slower than obviously forecasted pre-COVID. It's changed how we interact, but it's also showed us that being just a one product company in, in, a perform, in that performance segment is really, really hard. You, we have to evolve beyond it. And we, aren't leveraging, we weren't leveraging our military success and our protein success with just PR lotion. Like we leveraged that through other products and our access and our innovation um to to go further um so what it's allowed what it's made us do is take a big step back look inward what what makes us special as a business right we're not we're not a technical team right we're not chemists we're not you know coders we're not like that's not who we are we're not gonna we're not data scientists um what we are is we have a great understanding of the human performance. We want to build a system. We have a credible human performance advisory board. We have access to the best people in the world. We know how to do clinical research to prove stuff. Mm -hmm. So that's really where, where we've gotten, um, like that's where we've really focused. Like, where's our vision? Where are we going? Um, and let's make sure we don't walk into a box canyon because a box canyon has an end. We want to walk into a big canyon, a Grand Canyon that has a, lo a long runway able to go through. So, Awesome. And getting to these last uh, handful of questions here, what, like just like broadly, what excites, you, what excites you the most as it relates to the whole human performance and human optimization, in, human optimization industry? I think what, what, oh, what, what gave me the most like what inspired me is it's so fragmented still and it's so cutting edge we're learning something new every day that there's a lot of white space out there um and there's a lot of opportunity and like we were seeing things happening in the dod that pro sports didn't know about and pro sports said the dod didn't know about that the consumer definitely doesn't know about um and i think also from like human performance human optimization we're like 
we're just at the tip of it. Like we're just starting to understand what it looks like and starting to understand yeah. like it's not about products. It's about how am I living my life as a whole? Because it's not just about training. It's not just about sleep. It's not just about PR lotion or D plus. It's about everything. Um, and, and that is really exciting. And I think um, from us as a population, like this is the next wave when we think about things, right? Like we are taking better care of ourselves and more in tune to our bodies than we've ever been before. COVID's, COVID's made, accelerated this, right? This trend, like people are so yeah. conscious about things, right? And COVID is going to like, COVID's defining a generation. It just is like everybody who's lived during this is going to remember COVID. It's like, well, I'm not like, I'm going to take care of myself. I don't want to be at risk. Like all of these things, like for, for all of time, like for me, like what am I doing to make sure I'm healthy? Because I don't want to be immune compromised. Like everybody's thinking about those things right now. And, and it's such like such a big moment in time that we're not going to get rid of those trends. Like people are going to like, we are making life choices, changing the fabrics that hold our society together and they're going to be more healthy. So, yeah, yeah, that's great. Um, so hypothetically speaking, let's say we meet again on the street five years from now, what would you want to be telling me that you've accomplished or created since this conversation? It could be personal or professional. Yeah. For me, it's like both personal and professional. It is, it is to create the leading human performance company that is not just selling products, right? That is selling products around a system, uh, systemic a systematic approach to human performance so creating closed loop solutions to things and being able to serve the athlete the person who's continuously seeking to level up right and it's not a product a technology it's a lot of these things wrapped up but also but also creating incredible insights for that person to help them live their life better right and so really in five years it's not to be a product or to have 10 products. It's to be a system. Um, and it's going to take us time to get there. And we have to earn that right. We earn that right with innovative products, innovation and products and content, right? And that's how we're going to continue to get there in five years. And to me, right, it's to be, to make a meaningful impact on humans, right? Whether it's, you're an athlete, whether you're just trying to live healthier um, is really important to me. Awesome. What does your daily routine look like? Oh, it's a disaster. Um, uh, and right. I mean, this is just, uh, you know, I'll use it as an excuse. Like I got a young family and I'm in an early stage business and that's a crappy excuse, but my schedule is, is hit or miss. Uh, one thing that's consistent is I wake up pretty early and I go to sleep pretty early most of the time. Uh, but I wish I was more consistent with my workouts um, in terms of time of day, et cetera. Um, I do consistently work out um, most of the time, um, but work does drive it. And I always choose my family, right? If it's like, well, I got a long day, like I've got a 14 hour day in the office. Like I'm not going to work out because I'm going to choose to see my family instead of go to the gym. Um, and I, not because that's the right thing to do is because I love my family. Right. And that's just who, who, who I am. Um, but work, work, does consume time and because of that my schedule is inconsistent all the time um pre-covid i was on you know i was traveling 40 percent of the 40 percent of the weeks right like i was on the road all the time pitching and whether it was investors customers 
BDs, you name it. But COVID has actually made my schedule really nice where I'm, I haven't been on an airplane in, you know, eight months type of thing, which is incredible. Um, <laughs> so there is. Yeah. And so as is the name of the podcast, the Driving Force podcast, what do you think has been your driving force throughout your life? I think my biggest driving force, that's a really great question. Um, my biggest driving force is to make an impact. I, I, I saw my grandfather make a huge impact on his community he lived in by, by being really successful, right? He, he gave everything he ever earned away, essentially, him and my grandma, right? They built incredible, an incredible community and gave back and, and really believed that an individual can have an impact. And for me, right, um, what is like, what I love about Amp Human is we can impact human beings, right? from what we're building but we can also i can also build uh build something for me where i can impact the, a community people around me inspire people etc that was really 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 motivating for me like my driving force every day is to do something better than it's been done before so that i can impact society and leave society a better place than it was before awesome and then lastly here before we wrap up what advice or words of wisdom around handling or embracing adversity, challenge, suffering, et cetera, would you like to leave the people listening? Yeah, I kind of talked about this before, but I, I believe uh, there is a ton of things that are important in life, but there are a very small subset of things that are important and that you can control. And there are two things that I think about every day that I can control, that are always in my control. It is my attitude and my effort. Nobody else can control those things. Like I get to choose if I'm going to be in a good mood. I get to choose if I'm going to get back up. I'm going to choose if I feel like people are being unfair to me, but I can choose, right, to get back up. I can choose to go hard. I can choose to have energy. I get to make those decisions around my attitude, right, and how I, how I approach my day and my effort. Nobody knows if I'm going 80%. 90%, 10%, I'm the only human being that knows that. So I can control that. I can control how I work every day. And those are the two things in my mind that have that are the two biggest things that you can control that have an impact in your life, right? There's a ton of things that are important. The problem is we can't control a lot of those things. Um, and so focus on what you can control and let the rest of the pieces fall in place. So attitude and effort, um, it's something that I've, was preached to me when I was young um, and it's something that stuck with me of, you know, if I'm having a bad day, it's like, well, I, I get to control that. Nobody else, right? Nobody else controls that. So those are the two big things that I, I'll leave the people with. Yeah, that's great. Awesome. Yeah. Great place to end. Jeff, thanks again yeah. for coming on the show. This is great. Like, likewise, Chase. Thanks, man. What, uh, where can people go if they want to learn more about Amp Human and check out and maybe buy some of the products? Amphuman.com. Awesome. You can also yeah. visit my website, chaserosa.com, and follow me on Instagram at chaserosa4 for updates on new episodes. Thanks, everyone who's listening, and see you next time.